Section 4 of A Commentary on the Epistle to the Romans by John Calvin, translated by Francis Sipson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Romans 1, verses 18 to 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their indignations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Is Revealed he now proves, by comparing contrary arguments, that righteousness is bestowed or conferred only by the gospel, for he shows all to be condemned who do not enjoy its blessings. Salvation, therefore, can be found in it alone. The first proof of condemnation adduced by the apostle is the structure of the world, and this most beautiful composition of the elements, which, though well calculated to excite them to glorify God, have never induced any one to discharge his duty to so kind a creator this proves all men to be guilty of sacrilege and of impious and wicked ingratitude some consider the first proposition to be stated here so that paul derives his discourse from the subject of repentance but i think this the commencement of the controversy and the statement of the subject had been already made in the preceding proposition for the plan of paul is to teach where salvation is to be sought and he hath declared that we can attain it by no other means than by the gospel but because the flesh does not voluntarily humble itself so far as to ascribe the praise of salvation to the alone grace of god paul makes the whole world guilty of eternal death hence it follows that we must recover life by some other means since we are all ruined in ourselves but a careful examination of each word will afford us much assistance in understanding the whole sentence some commentators confine ungodliness to a violation of the worship of god and unrighteousness to a want of justice to man but because the apostle refers unrighteousness immediately to the neglect of religion we shall interpret both in the same sense all ungodliness of men by transposing the order of construction it means that all men stand convicted of impiety and ingratitude to god is pointed out by two different expressions because we offend against our heavenly father in two different ways ungodliness implies as it were a dishonouring of god unrighteousness means that man by transferring to himself those perfections which belonged to the supreme being unjustly deprived god of his due honour the anger of god means his vengeance by applying as is usual in scripture the passions of man to god because god when he punishes assumes in our opinion an angry countenance it implies therefore no emotion in god but has reference only to the judgment and feeling of the sinner who is punished. Revealed from heaven is applied by some as an epithet, meaning the God of heaven. But, in my opinion, there is more force in the following sense. Let man look where he will, he can find no hopes of salvation, for the wrath of God is poured out upon the whole world, even as far as the heavens extend. The truth of God means the true knowledge of God. To hold the truth is to suppress or obscure it, and hence they are, as it were, accused of theft. 
in unrighteousness is a hebrew phrase and means as we have translated it unrighteously which makes the passage more perspicuous because that which may be known of god he thus denominates what is right or expedient for us to know of god and he understands the whole of what pertains to the manifesting of the glory of god or which amounts to the same whatever ought to induce or excite us to glorify god this means that the full extent of god's character can on no account be comprehended by our limited mind but there are certain bounds within which men ought to confine themselves as god adapts every testimony he makes of himself to our standard all such therefore dote and desire to know what the nature of god is for the spirit the teacher of perfect wisdom recalls us not without reason to what may be known and the apostle will afterwards add how that knowledge may be obtained the force of the passage is increased by the preposition in for though in hebrew phraseology which the apostle frequently uses the particle in is often redundant yet he seems here desirous to indicate such a manifestation of the divine character as is too forcible to allow men to escape from its power since every one of us undoubtedly feels it engraven upon his heart the passage for god hath showed it unto them may thus be explained that man was formed to be a spectator of the fabric of the world that he was endowed with eyes for the purpose of his being carried to god himself the author of the world by steadily beholding so beautiful an image for the invisible things of him god is invisible of himself but since his majesty shines forth in all his works and in all his creatures men ought to acknowledge him for these evidently declare their maker in this sense the apostle to the hebrews calls the world's mirrors or spectacles of invisible things paul does not recount severally all the attributes of the deity but he informs us that we have come to his eternal power and godhead for the author of all things must necessarily be without beginning and self-created on discovering these attributes the divinity manifests itself which cannot exist but with the individual attributes of god since all are comprehended under the same deity so that they are without excuse this clearly proves how much men gain by this demonstration of the existence and attributes of god namely their utter inability to adduce any defence of themselves before the judgment seat of god where they justly stand condemned we must therefore make this distinction that the demonstration of god by which he makes his glory appear in his creatures carries along with it in its own intrinsic light sufficient evidence and this is only defective on account of our blindness but we are not able to cover our ignorance by this blindness without being convicted of perverseness we form a conception of the divinity and our reason afterwards informs us that we are under the necessity of worshipping such a being whatever its character may be but our judgment is here defective for it cannot discover either the nature or character of god wherefore the apostle to the hebrews chapter two verse three attributes that light by which any progress is made in understanding the creation of the world to faith nor without reason for we are prevented by our blindness from reaching the mark and we just see sufficient to keep us from the least turgiversation on the subject paul proves both of these positions elegantly acts fourteen seventeen when he says that the lord in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways nevertheless he left not himself without witness in that he gave rain and fruitful seasons from heaven this knowledge of god therefore which is only able to deprive man of the power of excusing himself is very different from the saving knowledge mentioned by christ john seventeen three and in which jeremiah nine twenty four teaches us to glory 
because that when they knew God, he here plainly testifies that God had insinuated into the minds of all a knowledge of himself, or in other words, had so demonstrated his existence by his works as to reduce mankind to the necessity of seeing what they do not spontaneously seek, the being of a God, since the world neither existed by chance nor proceeded from itself. But we must always carefully attend to that degree of knowledge where they were at a stand, as the following passage fully proves. They glorified him not as God. No conception can be formed of God without his eternity, power, wisdom, goodness, truth, justice, and mercy. His eternity appears from his being the author of all. His power, because he holds all things in his hand, and makes all things to consist in himself. His wisdom is evident by the most well-ordered disposition of everything. His goodness, because no other cause can be assigned why he should create all things, nor could any other reason than this induce him to preserve what was created his justice appears in the administration of the world because he punishes the guilty and defends the innocent his mercy because he endures with so much patience the perverseness of men his truth because he is immutable whoever therefore has formed a proper notion of god owes him praise for his eternity his wisdom his goodness and his justice since mankind have not acknowledged such attributes but have dreamed as it were about some vain phantom they are deservedly said to have deprived him in an ungodly manner of his glory and paul justly adds neither were thankful for there is none who is not indebted to his infinite kindness and we are bound to him by a very deep obligation on this account alone because he condescended to disclose himself to us but became vain they left the truth of god and turned aside to the vanity of their own imagination the quickness of which is altogether vain and glides away like smoke and their foolish mind thus involved in darkness, could perceive nothing aright, but was sunk into every kind of errors and falsehoods by all the means which they could devise. This is their unrighteousness, that the seed of proper knowledge is choked by their wickedness before it can spring up into a crop. Professing themselves. Many from this passage generally derive an argument for thinking that Paul has here only to deal with philosophers who peculiarly arrogated to themselves the character of wisdom, and they consider paul in the chain of reasoning pursued in this discourse to have intended to destroy first the eminence of the great and to infer as a conclusion that nothing worthy of praise is to be found in the crowd of common people but they appear to me to be influenced by not sufficiently conclusive reasoning for it does not peculiarly belong to the philosophers to think themselves wise in the knowledge of god but is equally common to all nations and to all ranks for every one was desirous to shut up the majesty of god under the boundaries of his own capacity and to make such a deity as each could perceive by his own understanding this rash presumption in man is not learned in the schools but is innate and if i may be allowed the expression comes forth with us from the womb for it is evident that this evil has flourished in all ages since men allow themselves every latitude in the discovery of superstitious practices they are therefore accused of the following arrogance that when they ought in their humility to give glory to god they wish to be wise among themselves and to bring down god to their own low and grovelling state for paul maintains the principle that none is alienated from the worship of god but by his own fault as if he had said since these exalted themselves in pride they have been infatuated by the just vengeance of god for the following reasoning immediately opposes the interpretation which i reject 
that the error which characterized the deity by fixing up his image did not originate with philosophers but was first received from others and afterwards stamped also by the sanction of the learned and changed after they had imagined such a god as could be comprehended by their carnal sense it was impossible for them to acknowledge the true god but they invented a fictitious and new deity or rather a spectre in his stead hence the apostle says they changed the glory of god for they departed as much from the true god as if any person should substitute one child for another nor does the pretext afford an excuse that notwithstanding all their inventions they believe god to dwell in heaven that they would regard the wood not as god but as his image for they dishonour god by forming so gross an imagination of his majesty as to dare to represent him by an image and none of them can be exempted from the crime of such bold presumption neither priests nor legislators nor philosophers the most sober of whom plato also traces a form and figure in god the very circumstance of their all wishing to figure to themselves a god is distinguished by madness for nothing proves more clearly the grossness and folly of the fancies which they formed of god and in the first place they dishonoured the majesty of god by the likeness of a corruptible man for i prefer corruptible to mortal approved by erasmus since paul not only opposes the mortality of man to the immortality of god but his glory liable to no vices to the very wretched condition of man besides not content with so great a crime they descended to the beasts the most deformed and hideous of their kind which shows in a still more striking light their great stupidity lactantius eusebius and augustine in his work concerning the city of god treat of these abominations wherefore god also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonour their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of god into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed for ever amen for this cause god gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness fornication wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder debate deceit malignity whisperers backbiters haters of god despiteful proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents without understanding covenant-breakers without natural affection implacable unmerciful who knowing the judgment of god that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them wherefore god gave them up because impiety is a secret vice he proves by a more palpable and homely demonstration to prevent them from having recourse any longer to tergiversation that they could not escape but were justly condemned since effects followed their impiety which left no doubt of the manifest indications of the wrath of god but if the indignation of the lord is always just it follows that something had proceeded which involved them in condemnation from these symptoms therefore the apostle now urges the apostasy and revolt of the human race since god so avenges those who have alienated themselves from his goodness as to cast them down headlong into multiplied and various perdition and ruin and by comparing the similitude of the vices to which they are addicted with the impiety alleged against them he proves their punishment to depend on the just judgment of god 
for since we prefer nothing to our own honour it is the height of blindness when we do not hesitate to disgrace ourselves this punishment therefore is best suited to the dishonour by which the divine majesty is marred he pursues this one object to the conclusion of the chapter and discusses it in various ways because much illustration and enlargement were required the sum therefore of what he contends for is that his former statement proves man's ingratitude to god to be inexcusable because the wrath of god is undoubtedly proved in their own case to be violent against mankind for never would they like brute beasts have been tumbled into such shameful and base desires if they had not incurred the hatred and opposition of the supreme creator and governor of all things since therefore most flagrant vices everywhere abound he infers that undoubtable proofs of divine vengeance manifest themselves in the human race if this anger never rages in a rash or unjust manner but always preserves the moderation of justice and equity he intimates that it is hence evident how certain and how just a destruction menaces the whole descendants of adam it is not by any means necessary for us to enter in this place into a long discussion concerning the manner by which god delivers man up to vice men however are certainly not allowed to fall merely by permission and connivance but god so orders it by a just judgment that they are led and hurried off into such outrageous behaviour and conduct both by their own concupiscence and by the devil himself the word rendered gave them up is constantly used in scripture which is too violently perverted by those who consider us driven to sin by the alone permission of god for as satan is the minister and as it were the executioner of the wrath of god his anger is not armed against us in a dissembling manner but by the command of the judge nor is god therefore cruel or we innocent since paul clearly shows us to be delivered over to the power of satan because we merit such punishment this exception must however always be made that the cause of sin whose roots perpetually arise in the sinner himself does not arise from god for that passage in hosea thirteen nine must always continue true o israel thou hast destroyed thyself but in me is thine help when he joins the desires of the human heart with uncleanness he secretly intimates the corruptions which it would bring forth if once left to act according to its own character the expression between themselves is emphatic for it very significantly shows how deep the marks of ignominy are and how difficult to be washed out with which they have branded their own persons who changed he repeats the reason though in different words yet in nearly the same sense with the last that he may fix it deeper on the mind when the truth of god is changed into a lie his glory is obliterated and it is therefore just that such as have attempted to deprive god of his honour and to deform the glory of his countenance should be covered with every kind of ignominy and disgrace and worshipped i have given this translation for the purpose of adapting the two words to the same syntax he properly marks here the crime of idolatry for honour cannot be given to the creature for the sake of religion without transferring it in an unworthy and sacrilegious manner from god and it is a vain excuse to pretend that images are worshipped in the place of god since he does not acknowledge nor accept such worship and not a true but a false god which the flesh hath vainly imagined for itself is then completely adored i interpret the words who is blessed to be used for the purpose of inflicting greater dishonour upon idolatry and the following is the sense of the passage we ought to honour and adore god alone and we are not permitted to take away from him anything even the smallest ray of glory for this cause god gave them up 
he now returns as if a parenthesis had been interposed to his former remarks on the vengeance of the lord and he adduces as the first proof of it the horrid crime of unnatural venereal indulgence which proves man to have abandoned himself not only to bestial desires but even to such as are more degrading since they are subversive of the whole order of nature he then enumerates a long catalogue of vices which existed in all ages but at that time reigned everywhere with all the most abandoned licentiousness the mere circumstance that they were not all involved in such a sink of guilt makes no difference for in taxing the common baseness of mankind it is sufficient if every one is compelled to acknowledge some blemish for we must consider paul in this passage to touch slightly upon those crimes which had been common in all ages and were everywhere conspicuous most particularly at that period for it is astonishing how frequently this abominable practice which even brute beasts hate was then indulged and other vices were universally prevalent he then recapitulates the catalogue of crimes which comprehends the whole human race for though all men are not either murderers thieves or adulterers yet every individual is found polluted with some vice paul denominates those vile affections which in the opinion of men are considered shameful and contribute also to the dishonouring of god receiving that recompense of their error which was meet for they deserve to be blinded that they may forget themselves and may not behold what is calculated for their good who have shut their eyes by their own malignity against the offered light of god lest they should behold his glory finally they that may be blind at midday who have not been ashamed to extinguish to the utmost of their power the glory of god which alone enlightens us and as they did not like the allusion in these words must not be overlooked which elegantly intimates an equal relation between sin and punishment because they did not like to remain in the knowledge of god which alone directs our minds to true wisdom the lord gave them a perverse mind which could now approve of nothing and the meaning of the passage they had not liked is the same as if he had said that they had not prosecuted the knowledge of god with the zeal which they ought to have shown but had rather designedly turned aside their thoughts from god he means therefore that by a depraved choice they had preferred their own vanities to god and the error by which they had been deceived was in this sense voluntary to do those things which are not convenient because he had hitherto proposed that execrable proof of guilt which was frequent with many but not the common vice of all he here begins to enumerate those vices from which none were found to be exempted for as we have stated although all vices may not at the same time appear in each individual yet all men are conscious to themselves of some one vice so that each for himself can be convicted of manifest depravity he means in the first place by things not convenient such behaviour as was abhorrent to every dictate of sound reason and inconsistent with human duties for he produces as proofs of a disordered mind that men without choice bound themselves to the perpetration of crimes which common sense ought to despise it is a vain attempt in connecting the order and arrangement of the vices enumerated to make one spring from the other for this was not the design of the apostle but to throw them together as each first occurred to his mind we will give a very brief exposition of these vices unrighteousness means when the law of humanity is violated by not paying every one his due the word which i have translated according to ammonius wickedness is malice in exercise or a more unrestrained indulgence in the commission of vice for he explains the adjective wicked to mean the perpetrator of evil 
maliciousness is that depraved perverseness of mind which labours to inflict an injury upon its neighbours i have translated this word concupiscence which is generally understood to signify fornication a sense involved in mine since it relates both to the internal desire and to the external act covetousness envy murder admit of no doubtful meaning the word debate includes both strife disturbance and seditious commotions malignity implies a remarkable and distinguished wickedness where a person from custom and bad habit has become callous and hardened in the corruption of his morals haters of god undoubtedly means in an active sense men guilty by their evident crimes who detest god since they see his justice is opposed to their wickedness whisperers separate the friendships of good men by secret accusations inflame their minds to anger defame the innocent sow discords etc backbiters with a certain innate malignity spare the character of no one and as if harassed by a rage for evil speaking revile equally the meritorious and the vile despiteful characters mean in the original such persons as are guilty of plundering theft burnings poisoning witchcraft and of other striking injuries proud in the greek relates to those who being raised as it were upon an eminence look down with contempt upon all beneath them and cannot regard any as on a level with themselves boasters imply such as are inflated with the vain applause of presiding over others those are unsocial who by their iniquities break asunder from all the bonds of human society in whom there is no sincerity or constancy of faithfulness and who deserve to be denominated truce-breakers those are without natural affection who have laid aside the feelings of humanity towards their own unmerciful for paul considers a want of mercy among the symptoms of depraved human nature and hence augustine concludes against the stoics that pity is a christian virtue who knowing the judgment of god though this passage is taken in various senses the following appears to me the truest explanation that men had given themselves up to an unbounded licentiousness in sinning and approved by removing all distinction between virtue and vice both in themselves and others such things as they knew to be displeasing to god and condemned by his just judgment for the greatest accumulation of evil takes place when the sinner has so completely laid aside all shame as not only to soothe himself in his vices and to refuse to be corrected but also to cherish the same conduct in others by his favour and applause this desperate state of wickedness is thus described in the scriptures who rejoice to do evil proverbs two fourteen and boast in their iniquity ezekiel sixteen twenty five for hopes may be entertained of curing him who is sensible of shame but when from the practice of sinning such abandoned impudence has been contracted that vices please and are approved instead of virtues all hopes of correction are at an end jeremiah eleven fifteen i am induced to adopt this interpretation because i perceive the apostle desirous to touch upon something more dreadful and wicked than the mere perpetration of vice i know not what this means if we do not refer it to the highest pitch of wickedness when wretched men contrary to the justice of god renounce all modesty and undertake the patronage of vice End of section four.